Hello and welcome back to IVPN Voice. This is your host, Mariam, and on today's episode, we finally launch our podcast series with Edans, which was previously hinted at on our first episode with them. So check that out if you want to know more about Edans and what they do, because we're diving straight in. This series will draw on Edans' pool of PhD-level academic editors, medical writers, high science project development specialists, and training teams to highlight issues and trends in academic publishing and emphasizing how Edans can help researchers with their projects. On episode one, we will tackle ethics. Ethics underpins all research. Or, well, it should. It is a foundation that can be used to develop clear and effective research, and we know research ethics is such a vast topic, and recently there have been many ethics-related stories in the news, like retractions of high-profile studies from journals, the race to produce and distribute COVID-19 vaccines, and so on. So, we spoke with Dr. Anthony Swain and Dr. Gareth Dyke from Adans about ethics and other issues facing biomedical researchers today. And here's what they had to say. Excellent. Thank you, Mariam. Hello. This is Gareth from the Edance Learning Lab, and, and today I'm joined um, by a colleague, Anthony Swain um, from Edance. And Anthony, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Happy to be here. So, Anthony, you're a project manager working with Edance. Can you tell us a little bit about what your job involves? What does it mean to be a project manager? Well, you know, Adams will work with a very wide range of projects. So uh, I'm in the Adams Pharma team, and the bulk of my work surrounds stuff like uh, manuscript development projects, conference development projects, and rewriting projects. Uh, our, our main clients are pharma companies, and it's my job to schedule these projects, uh, budget them, uh, secure and assign writing resources for the projects, um, oversee the execution of the projects, and uh, check everything and make sure that all the cl- all the communication is done with the clients. That's a really general overview of what I do anyway. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, what motivates you to do the work that you do? What What gets you out of bed in the morning, Anthony? Well, you know, if I give you a little bit of my background, it'll be a very long story. But um, I have a pharmacology undergraduate degree from the University of Leeds in the UK, After I graduated, I came out to Japan to learn Japanese. Then skipping on a few years, um, I got a job in 2013 in the Kyushu University Center for Clinical and Translational Research, or CCTR for short. Uh, That was based on the fact that I speak Japanese and I understood about pharmacology and uh, clinical trial related things. In 2014, I was uh, given the opportunity to do a PhD in molecular biology uh, whilst working full-time as an assistant professor in the CCTR. I was very busy at that time. Um, I graduated in 2018 um, because, you know, just working in academia these days can be a little bit um, restrictive. So I wanted to get some industry experience. So I worked for a couple of years in a clinical trial company where I was working in uh, CNS clinical trials. 
And then I found my job at Edans in 2020. And I've been working there since. Uh, when it comes to motivation, I think communication is really, really important. It's been like that through my entire career. Um, so communication skills are sometimes overlooked by scientists. You know, they, you get some scientists that just hide away in their labs and they do really good work, but they don't speak out and get their work communicated to the to the wider world. So I think it's really important to be a communication facilitator. And that's what Edans is great at. I mean, it's great to be involved with these kind of communication activities, writing manuscripts and even doing new things like this podcast is great. So I'm really happy to be part of this, especially on the first one. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I mean, I say at this point that, you know, one of the one of the things that we do at Edans is provide support for researchers with their communication. So, I mean, if you jump over to our website, edance.com, you'll be able to see like many of the services that we provide around science communication and helping people to disseminate their research. So podcasts, posters, um, infographics, video mm. abstracts, and things like that. So I'm sure you've been involved in those um, as part of your job, but today mm -hmm. we're talking about ethics. So which ethical issues do you feel are most important right now? Well, you know, ethics is a really wide topic. And um, I, I think I, I should start off by um, just pointing out, I'm sure everybody's already aware of this, but the topic that is on everybody's lips right now is the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, I'm from the UK, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, in the UK, they are very good at distributing vaccines in comparison to Japan anyway, where, you know, we have the Olympics just around the corner. And we still have very few people that have been vaccinated. So different areas of the world have these different issues with regards to distributing not just vaccines, but also healthcare in general. So they have different infrastructures and different things to work on. And uh, so one of the big ethical issues that I think should be a topic that everybody should be thinking about is distributive justice. Now, distributive justice is a term that is used in bioethics circle re regarding spreading the benefits and burdens across a society. You know, it would be incredibly unfair in a society if you have a rich class and a poor class of people and the rich people can just get whatever medicine that they want and the poor people don't get anything. So you need to spread out the benefits and the burdens of what's going on when it comes to medical interventions. So I think these kind of issues are really important right now. I've seen some papers as well that have come to Edans and I've worked on myself with regards to things like the estab establishment of temporary COVID hospitals. And so a, a hospital would be established to serve the greater area. So when it comes, not just a rich population, but also the, all these different areas of a region that would be served by the COVID hospital. And, you know, the paper would um, list about how it works and how it addresses these issues regarding distributive justice. So we see a lot of these kind of issues in uh, scientific papers about distributive justice and the success stories regarding those. But in the just general news cycle, you might see some horrible stories about people like hoarding oxygen tanks or like black markets for um, certain interventions. The, the oxygen tank is, thing is really, something that really upset me recently when I heard about people selling them for astronomical prices in places like, you know, Mexico or India. It really upset me. Um, I don't like hearing about things like that, but, you know, it's out there. Um, 
Regarding issues like this, um, I'm really passionate about this uh, on a personal level as well. So I, where I'm able to, I do work for um, raising money for charities like uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, uh, Doctors Without Borders. I'm doing something like that right now. Um, I won't get into that very much, but um, I think those guys are really um, doing some great work about distributing healthcare to where it's really needed. So I think that's uh, something that I can work on both in my work and in my personal life. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i seen that. I've seen that you're doing that. And I think we're going to share the link with with colleagues listening to this podcast at the end so they can they can have a look at some of the charity work that you're doing, <laughs> you're doing as well. So that's awesome. Um, I know that you used to teach a course in ethics and training in ethics is really important these days, especially mm-hmm. given the times that we live in, but and especially... Um, for medical colleagues and, and medical researchers and pharmacy colleagues. So many of the people listening to this podcast will be wondering about how they can learn more about ethics in research. So let me ask you about your ethics course. Who were your students and, and what particular ethical issues did you choose to focus on in that course? Right. Well, I, I did teach a course in ethics um, and my course was when I was working at the Center for Clinical and Translational Research. So this CCTR is a translational research center mainly. And for those of you that don't know about translational research, it is translational research is defined as translating research from bench to bedside, which means from early basic research in the lab all the way through the research projects, all the way through the clinical trials, up to the point of getting ethical approval and it being usable by patients. So a lot of people are very siloed into, you know, clinicians do clinical research and basic scientists do basic research. So TR or translational research is a process to translate between these things. And my students were medical students at Kyushu University, mainly And it was to teach them about responsible conduct of research from their point of view as clinicians and my point of view as a basic scientist to teach them what what exactly is involved when it comes to conducting research responsibly. This could be things like selection of animal models, uh, knowing what to do and what not to do with regard to publication ethics, and uh, even selecting the appropriate animal models and what the do's and don'ts of what you can do with human subjects. That was the main thing that I did anyway. uh, So interesting. I mean, I know, I know from my own work that there's really two sides to this coin, like the kinds of ethical considerations that colleagues have to have in mind when they think about designing and then conducting a research project, but also the kinds of considerations that you have to have in mind if you then intend to get that research project published in an international Mm. journal i mean there's so there's lots to think about so i mean anyone listening to this that wants to learn more can jump over to our learning lab learning.edance.com and have a look at some of the courses the online content that we provide specifically around ethics and we'll follow up with links um, and content around that because it really is so important but let's get personal Anthony, do you have any of your own experiences with this area that you'd like to share with our listeners? Any brushes with the law? Any brushes with <laughs> ethical issues in your own in your own work? Okay, so when it comes to 
ethics, I, I need to explain a little bit more about my background. So as I mentioned earlier, my PhD was in molecular biology, and more specifically, it was in hematology, and there was a lot of developmental hematology involved. So I did a lot of work on hematopoietic stem cells. So those are the stem cells which your body uses to make blood. And when I was doing my basic research, I had to work a lot with animal models. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, humans, mice, and fish, particularly zebrafish, have very similar genes related to uh, blood development. And in mice, um, the very good source of hematopoietic stem cells are from two-week-old developing mice, um, particularly their livers. But um, getting the livers from a two-week-old mouse fetus is not really a pleasant process. Um, you, you have to be pretty invasive to, to extract this kind of tissue from a mouse. But when it comes to fish, for example, uh, zebrafish in particular, which are very useful models, they lay eggs. So you just put the fish in tanks together, they lay eggs, and they produce the same kind of cells within 48 hours. So you have a massive time reduction, and it's much less invasive. And um, so those uh, were, you know, the, the kind of models which I use. Now, if you're doing quite large volumes of research that don't need to be super accurate. A fish model is much more appropriate than a mouse model, but a mouse is much closer to a human because it's a, it's a mammal. So you need to think about which models that you are using in order to get the best scientific information with the causing the least amount of harm. And um, I've heard um, about some experiments that have been going on for a while um, particularly uh, parabiosis experiments, which uh, some people may have heard of, some people may not have heard of. Parabiosis models are when um, it, parabiosis is kind of the concept of living together. So what you would do would be to graft two mice together that have uh, different problems or benefits. For example, you might graft a diabetic mouse to a non-diabetic mouse or a young mouse to an old mouse. And you could see the effect of the cell migration over to the different ones. So, for example, if you graft a young mouse and an old mouse together and you put a lesion on the old mouse, does, do the cells from the young mouse aid the healing of the older mouse? Now, some of these are very interesting. Of course, they're very interesting, but um, they're also very invasive, and some people might consider them very cruel. And um, you have some people on uh, institutional review boards that would say, yeah, it's fine because the interest is very beneficial to society. But other people might say, I don't accept this because it's too invasive, too inhumane, too cruel to do these experiments. Now, when it comes to my interesting experience with ethics, it actually comes from an approval rather than a, um, a rejection of an experiment that was done. I was working in this research center and um, there was a researcher that wanted to do an ophthalmology study using pigs. Now, pigs' um, eyes are very similar to human eyes. And you also have advantages with um, being able to allocate different treatments to like the left eye and the right eye of a uh, pig. So you can do one thing in one eye and you know, test an existing 
treatment in one eye and a new treatment in another eye. So you can get really good comparisons out of these models. Now, the people that were approving this uh, protocol must have thought that it was very, very interesting. So they gave the approval to use these large animals. But what they didn't take into account was the cost. So pig models are very expensive. Housing the pig models are very expensive. And, you know, you're going to need a lot of these pig models. So much more than something like a mouse model or a fish model, it's like the, the price is crazy different. Um, so it turned out that um, after getting approval for this, um, the entire three-year research budget was going to be completely used up within about two months of the study, which is uh, not good uh, at all. And uh, so that's where I need to loop back to uh, not just ethical research, but responsible research. So if you were unable to budget and plan your research correctly, even if it is ethical, it's going to completely fail. And then you're going to end up wasting the time, the money and the resources to to do these things. And this this is when I like to paraphrase Jurassic Park because it's a really useful movie when it comes to medical research and project management. That the scientists were so preoccupied about whether they could do something that they didn't think about whether they should do something. And in this case, there was a, a there were a lot of failures there. Uh, so responsible research isn't just about whether it's ethical or not; it's about whether you can actually execute it well. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, everyone loves Jurassic Park. And yeah, I mean, like institutional review board approval is something that journals look at, too. Like when, as you, you know, when when you're thinking of submitting a paper or even starting a piece of research, like very important to get that institutional review board approval, that ethical approval before you start writing or even doing the research. One of the issues that we see a lot with medical journals rejecting papers is where researchers have tried to retrospectively get that ethical approval or that institutional review board approval after they've started doing the work. So that's that's really important. Something else that we touch on in our courses. So brilliant, fascinating stuff. Medical writing is a very specialized field. Can you give us some examples of the kinds of ethical issues you encounter in your work that might be unique to medical researchers? Okay, so when it comes to medical writing and research in general, I, I think what you need to really consider is the, the audience and what kind of perspectives they might have when it comes to different ethical issues or different cultural sensibilities even. So just to give an example of a project I was involved with recently, I mentioned earlier about me working on a as a reviewer on this paper regarding the establishment of a new COVID hospital. And I can't talk about where this is or anything like that because it's still under development. But um, originally, this article about establishing this COVID hospital was submitted to a journal. And the journal was very kind in that they rejected the paper but they gave some really useful suggestions in saying we how we could improve the paper and maybe get it reconsidered for submission. So the the paper, uh, sorry, the journal um, had a focus on equity and health, which means that the audience of that paper was really interested in reading about equity and health. It was almost a a biostatistic, sorry, a bioethics journal. Um, so. When I read through the paper, it was very interesting and talked a lot about the procedures for establishing this new COVID hospital and how it could serve the public. 
but it didn't go into huge detail about how it addressed issues regarding distributing healthcare to people who really need it. So my suggestion as a reviewer was you need to rewrite this paper with a focus on distributed justice, and that will address the ethical issues that the papers want to address and satisfy the audience of this paper as well. Now, another example uh, would be that a few years ago, uh, this wasn't for a medical publication, but I was asked to give a talk at um, a local ethics committee in Japan. And this local ethics committee really focuses on research within Japan and considerations within Japan. And I was doing research on blood, as I mentioned earlier, and I started talking about anemia. And I mentioned just passively that um, people of uh, African descent have a higher tendency to have sickle cell anemia genes or traits. And people of Thai ethnicity, that is, uh, you know, Thai natives to Thailand, have quite a high incidence of thalassemia genes. So both of these are um, genetic mutations uh, that are quite widespread in these populations. And one of the ethicists on the committee um, hit me with, oh, isn't that um, racial discrimination to come up with this? And I said, no, no, it's not, because it's just gene expression within these different populations. But I realized when I said this, that um, even though I thought it was very important to raise these things in relation to something like pharmacogenomics, you know, how does a drug interact with people based on their genome? Um, It's not very applicable to Japan. So you don't have a large African population or a large Thai population in Japan. People in Japan are mostly Japanese. So it was not the correct audience that I brought this up with. And that was something that I decided that maybe I won't mention in future interactions with this ethics committee. I need to consider the audience much more. So I learned my lesson there. Excellent. Yeah, we do get a lot of papers that, that come to us at EDANTS that we have to turn around and come up with reasons how they could get accepted in other journals or in better journals. So that's something that our expert teams are really good at is finding a new angle for a piece of research that's already been written or already been done. Maybe it's already been submitted once or twice or three times to different journals. So we have a great success rate once we get involved with projects, more than 99%. So that's something for everybody to hopefully be proud of. How do you feel when you get to the end of a project and you see it published? How does that make you feel? Oh, excellent. Great. I love it when I get my own research published, and I I love it just as much when I get somebody else's research published. Uh, A successful research project that I've managed is just as much of a victory for me as a personal publication. So um, I I, am really happy to be working at Adams because I get to touch so many different research projects. When I was just working in the lab by myself, I spend a a lot of time just sat behind a microscope crying sometimes about my research not going well but um, I don't need to worry about that too much because you know when I work at Edans now I, I, I'm getting a lot of projects coming to me from very talented researchers and so the impact that I can have on the world by helping get this 
research out there to the world, it feels much more productive. And, uh, you know, I'm just really, really happy to be working on this kind of thing. And I, I'm, I'd be really happy to work with um, any more projects that could be coming our way. Awesome. It really feels like you found your niche working yeah. as a facilitator, <laughs> working as a project manager. Excellent. Can you give our listeners any advice with their research and publishing um, as we come to the end of our time together today? Something memorable, perhaps, that, that they can take away from listening to this? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, um, when you want to get research pro- published, um, you absolutely need to do your research responsibly. So those kind of things are the minimum standard. Um, and those things are not the sort of thing that people at Edens can really help you with. You need to be acting ethically as you do your research. The hard part is getting the results. But once you have the results that you've acquired ethically, because it's your minimum standard of responsibility to get these um, results in an ethical way, that's the major part of the work done. Some people don't submit to journals and don't do the writing because they're worried about their English ability or uh, you know presenting ability. Whereas the really hard part of the research is getting the results. Once you have the results, you have people that can help you get the research out to the world, like communication facilitators, project managers. Edons is full of these people that can help you get the research out there and hopefully even more in, engage more with the bench to bedside kind of ideology of uh, you know getting the basic research transferring it through the clinical research and getting it out there to help patients because i think that's what we really want from our research not just to get papers but to improve the world by getting our research getting ideas out there and benefiting people awesome yeah world. i know that that i know that that bench to bedside um kind of way of looking at research is really going to resonate with our with our IVPN um, colleagues listening to this. So, Anthony, we've taken up enough of your time. Thanks again so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it's, it's been great. I really enjoy getting involved with these things. Um, if any listeners want to stay in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Anthony Swain, and then I have my degrees after his PhD in PMP. Thank you very much. And that's that. Thank you so much, Dr. Swain, for sharing all this helpful information. And thank you, Dr. Dyke, for facilitating this interview. Please don't replace me as the host. (laughs) As always, everything will be linked and the details of our guests are there if you want to reach out. Until next time, take care and stay safe.